We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, Tuesday, October the 18th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. I see DGD, Gene Gad, Kayshawn, Kevin Crossland, Travi, Stephen Morwell Jr., John Edward, Chase Floyd, Chuck McIntosh, Cody, Jeff, Connor. What's going on? Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord. Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Again, guys, I got a lot to get into. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. Got a busy show today. We've got my good friend Alex McGrath joining us, of course, as always, as he does every Tuesday at 12.15. And then 1.30, Shane Beamer will speak to the media here on this Tuesday. But again, I uh, appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Lots to get into, lots to discuss. If you're tuned in to us via the podcast version, I just want to say thank you, guys. Appreciate it. If you do not uh, or if you want to go back and listen or you don't catch all of TDC and you want to hear the audio version, the podcast version, you can do so. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. The Daily Crow can now be found under our TSUS podcast feed. So the main podcast feed, the Spurs Up Show podcast feed, that's where you can see it dropping every single day at 3 o'clock. And again, if you guys don't mind, subscribe, rate, leave five stars. We always appreciate that. Also, guys, uh, for our Big Cock Club members, tonight we are having a hangout in the Big Cock Club Discord at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk some business. We'll talk ball. We'll just kind of shoot the shit and hang out and do our thing. Always a really good time, and I hope to see you guys there. If you have not done so, join the Big Cock Club today, patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. Also, guys, of course, before we really get going, I got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks because the Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS. You're going to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, so many fans of the Spurs Up Show and the Daily Crow have made tons of money this season playing with our friends at Prize Picks. You, you can bet on anything, right? You can do any prop plays, whether it be college sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, you name it, they got it. Uh, of course, we're in the midst of the MLB playoffs. The NH NHL is about to start back up. Actually, I think it already has. NBA's around the corner. So all the sports happening and going on. Uh, be sure 
to check them out and check out Prize Picks. Go win some money. Break the bookie. That's our friends at Prize Picks. Download the app or go to prizepicks.com and at sign up. Use that promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our friends over at Prize Picks. Again, guys, be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Okay. Um, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Also, guys, let me say this. Uh, you see the merch, the hoodies, right? We got hoodies, we got long sleeves, we got beanies, uh, all of your favorite designs. Beamer Ball, Beamer Rattler, Clem Sucks, um, and everything in between. Everything you can think of, we got it available. Check us out, tsus.store. Uh, it's like mid-50s or high 50s, high 50s today in Greenville, um, so definitely that time of year, right? To get your hoodies, get your long sleeves, get your pullovers, get your beanies, all that good stuff. Uh, as we get closer, guys, also to the holiday season, I was just informed by my vendor yesterday of our uh, must-order by dates to have guaranteed by Christmas delivery. Those dates will be December the 11th. December the 11th. So again, we got a lot of time before then, but hey, Christmas will be here before you know it, man. Christmas will absolutely be here before you know it. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, yeah, really great stuff. Again, guys, I do want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Text lines are open. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Robbie Davis, what's going on? Appreciate you tuning in. John Edwards, I know we have Texas A&M this Saturday, but already can't wait to be in Williams Bryce Stadium next Saturday against Mizzou. Yeah, John Edwards, let, let's attack this one first. But, uh, you know, it'll be great to have you there. Four o'clock kickoff. It'll be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun. Lex says, did you get that hat made off of Etsy? Um, and the inside joke being that somebody else on Etsy is, is making a Beamer Rattler hat. Let me just say this, too. Um, I, I don't I, I don't take it personally. <clears throat> now, obviously, when you have something like Beamer Ball trademark and somebody is trying to rip off your exact design and this exact, you know, logo or whatever and and create their own merch, I still, even then, though, you know, I, I didn't get the trademark to Beamer Ball because I was worried about Joe Blow on Twitter making a Beamer Ball t-shirt. I got it more so for protection from, like, the university and from other major entities and major outlets that would try to say, hey, no, you can't make these anymore because we've got the trademark. I, I've always looked at, and again, I, I know this is a little bit off, off topic, off conversation, and Mike Hughes asked, what is the website to buy merch? Mike, I just threw that in the description, or excuse me, in the comments. TSUS.store. Uh, made it as simple as possible. TSUS.store. And you can see all of our collections there, Mike. But, uh, you know, I always look at it as imitation as flattery. I, that's, you know, I, I see people that get so distraught and so up in arms about using a, an image on social media or using this or using that. And I understand there's a line, right? You shouldn't just blatantly rip off people's stuff and steal people's stuff without giving credit. But the way I look at it is this. Like, for example, if I post a graphic and it's got our watermark on it, which you should always watermark your stuff. If you don't watermark your stuff and somebody else uses it, you don't get credit. You kind of played yourself. Uh, but if somebody uses our stuff, it's got our watermark on it. Like, I, 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 you're worried about the pennies when you're worried about that type of stuff. I'm worried about the dollars, right? Y you're worried about these little things that, that really don't matter, don't mean a whole lot. If your brand's being spread, I hope everybody uses my stuff. I hope everybody uses it. Because... At the end of the day, 
Again, they see you see Beamer Ball, you know who's selling it. You see Beamer Rattler, you know who's behind it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there, there's there's no misconception about uh, about who's behind that. So I think sometimes folks get you know, especially if you're if you're a young and growing entrepreneur, or you're a, uh, a a content creator, especially, and you're 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 starting out. Um, I would suggest always watermarking your stuff, but, you know, unless it's just there's a line to everything, but, you know, don't stress and worry about the pennies, man. Keep keep concerned with the dollars. You know what I mean? Um, don't sweat over the little stuff. If your name and your brand's getting out there, that's the number one goal. You know what I mean? So kind of just a side note for you, side topic, if you will. Um, that being said, obviously, we, we don't want people just ripping off and using – Using the logo, that's the inside joke, Lex, that, that uh, she was referring to. Jeff Gullage says, am I overreacting to be worried about our O-line and D-line going against A&M's D-line and O-line? No, you're not. I don't think you are. Um, because I look at this game, and again, guys, I, I won't drop a prediction or, or anything like that until later in the week, as you all know. But, uh, you know, I uh, I don't think, Jeff, you're overreacting because I think this where, that's where this game <clears throat> is going to be won and lost. Um, you know, forget Satterfield. Let's stop talking about Marcus Satterfield. You want to do that? We'll just do that. But the line of scrimmage, um, we went to Lexington and took advantage of a depleted Kentucky O-line, right, defensively. We took advantage, and our offensive line played well. I, I just – but that that's where the challenge, I think, is in this ballgame. Um, can the Gamecocks stop A-Chain, their fantastic running back? Can they stop him consistently? Right? Can they stop him consistently? I think that's the number one question. Um, you know, I, I just, I guess now that we sit here, we're a week removed, over a week removed from it. I look at the Kentucky win for what it is. It was a nice win because of the circumstances and because of certain negative trends we had against us. A win's a win's a win. I don't care how it happens. I don't care who's playing. But realistically, realistically, just how good are we really? And I'm not saying A&M's all that great. I'm not spoiling any sort of prediction, but I guess my internal conflict and my challenge is, it's like, who do I trust more, right? Who do I trust more? And I feel like when I look at Texas A&M's talent, I still believe they're more talented than we are. I still believe they're more talented than we are. I don't think that's a crazy hot take either. So it's like, do, do I trust A&M more than I trust South Carolina? You know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like I might. I feel like I might. Lance, what's going on, man? The Latte de Leader in the house. Latte de Leader is in the house. What's going on? Appreciate you, tu appreciate you tuning in, Lance. Guys, we're going to have Alex McGrath on here in just a sec. Um... So stay tuned for that. Again, I do want to hear from you guys. Shane Beamer at 130. Jeff Gulledge says, I feel like we will have to score 30 points or more to win. Cody, if that's the case, we will not win. <laughs> like, Jeff, do you really trust this offense to go out and score 30 against AM? I don't. I I I absolutely there's a reason. There's a reason Vegas has set the total five and a half, my guy. 
What's up, man? How are you? What's going on, man? Doing well. How are you? Um, What's up? You know, I, I keep seeing all these people, you know, giving. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say one thing. Like, yeah, you got this, you got a person out there who's, you know, hating, trying to tell everyone how to think and how to feel. And, you know, not you. I'm, I'm saying, you know, person out there, you know, with their crazy analysis and whatnot. And it's just that, you know, it's starting to rub me the wrong way, man. You know, it's rubbing that rock. And um, I want to say that, you know, no one is negative because of the fact that we are down on Carolina football. Carolina is four and two. We go and beat Texas A&M. We, we, should, we should be seven and two before we hit, I believe it's either Tennessee or Florida. Florida, yeah. That being said, no one's negative on the fa- of the entire team. I think there's been an unholy and substantial amount of improvement. I think our O-line has came together in a way we – I think we all gave up on the O-line after Georgia State. A lot of us did. I did. I believe that, you know, Georgia State was the game, first game, and I was like, wow, the O-line is the same. It's going to be a pinnacle. But, you know, the O-line has really improved and, you know, maybe become maybe a little bit above average. It's not average. And Marshawn Lloyd has been, has been a, um, a player for us to rely on. As for Satterfield, man, you know, I want to say that you know, we're losing out on a possible another Jalen Hyatt, I believe that's how you say his name, mm. because of the fact that we're not running a good enough offense. If you want to give up all that in-state talent, we got plenty of O-line, D-line players, but we need skill position players, and we're already missing out on a guy next year because of the fact that we're not running a good offense. Believe what you be, the pro style, whatever, defend that, whatever you want to do – whatever but we need a new offense coordinator and it's, it's not just starting to affect our place it's starting to affect the recruiting process because obviously you know when Satterfield came in it was like you know we had four different quarterbacks playing and it's like okay well you have four different quarterbacks who the hell is going to be able to get their scheme under control with four different quarterbacks and now you got Spencer Rattler in there and it's still not working and these recruits are starting to take notice man I mean mm-hmm. Now, granted, Tennessee is a hell of a offensive powerhouse right now comparatively to, you know, they're, they're probably one of the best. They're probably, the, if not the best offense in, in the nation right now. But that doesn't mean we, we shouldn't still have a high-powered enough offense for the guy to stay home. And I'm starting to look at who else are we going to miss out on because of this. Mm-hmm. Are we really going to miss out? I mean, no, no matter how good our line is, we can't score if we don't got skill position, skill position players to hit those holes. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you can't, if you can't recruit the best athletes because of the <clears throat> perception, fair or unfair perceptions, reality, if you can't recruit the best athletes because of a perception, that's, that's a pretty damning thing. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, people sitting here, you know, Maybe I make a comment here and there, and you know, they want to sit there and go off with me for being negative. I'm not being negative. I'm pointing out the obvious. We, these are steps you got to take to get in the next level. We're, we're already steadily improving, man. You see Tennessee's second year. They're already looking like they might make the playoff. They beat Georgia, and they probably more than likely re-beat Bama or Ole Miss. They're going, back, they're going in the playoff. And their second year under Josh Pupil. 
And, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, South Carolina is on the same par level talent-wise as Tennessee, but let's just say, you know, if we ha- if we got a guy holding us back, then, I mean, it's an obvious play. That's all. <clears throat> so, every- for everyone out there, man, just keep sticking to, you know, how you feel. Obviously, don't hate on the good things. Embrace the good. But, you know, point out the obvious. Don't be a slap dick. And uh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate the call, my man. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, listen, that, that was a real take. I respect that. Uh, all right, let me go ahead and fire over this link to Alex McGrath, and we'll go ahead and get him in here. Um, after that, guys, we will take all of your questions, comments, and calls at 843-790-3377. It's just an interesting spot we're in because you're four and two. I mean, if you'd have told me we were four and two again over the summer, I I would not have imagined there would have been a whole lot of complaints, but yet here we are. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and get him in. Again, the guys, like I said, Tuesday, October the 18th, it is 12 16 p.m. Eastern. He joins us every single Tuesday to give us his insight, his analysis, and just great conversation overall. Alex McGrath joins the show. Alex, what's going on, my friend? How are you? What's happening, buddy? Dude, just hanging out, man. How was uh how was your bye week? Did you do anything fun over the bye weekend? I want to work around the house. Yeah. <laughs> just managing some uh home projects and two kids to fall for Greenville Friday, had a big time and just a nice relaxing weekend. Yeah, I was able to make it out, out to that as well, man, on, on Friday afternoon. It was it was a good time. It's a cool event. Very cool event. Uh very busy, very, very good event though. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it gets a little it gets a little crowded there. Yeah. Were you able to catch some of the uh the football? Did you watch any Bama Tennessee or I watched that entire thing. That yeah. was <laughs> Whew. hell of a game. Hell of a game. It really was. That hard was to watch awesome. that and then watch our offense. Hard. Very hard. Well, I was te- I was texting my buddies while that was going on. I was like, Tennessee's offense is so brilliantly simple that I wish we could mirror that in some yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, Alex. You know, we'll start there because obviously yesterday's podcast, I, I dropped midseason grades. And, and just even beyond that, from conversations I've had and, and the, the vantage point that I have on social media and kind of getting a feel on Gamecock Nation – you sit at four and two right now, and we talked a little bit about this a little bit last week, but we we're more so focused on the Kentucky game. But you sit at four and two, one and two in SEC play. You got an opportunity this weekend. You know, you're only a three and a half point dog now. Got an opportunity to be five and two. Yet it feels like there's this this unsettledness within the fan base. You know what I mean? Uh, it, there's this restlessness. There's this there's this nagging thing, this thorn in the side of Gamecock fans. And I I don't know if you feel that or talking to your buddies, you sense that. But the mood, I think, is not quite what I thought it would be in Gamecock Nation. And it almost, I think, feels like a keeping up with the Joneses thing. It's like, you know, when you, you do something to your house... And in that moment, you know, you have that moment of, of satisfaction or joy, but then you look over next door, you know, right? What your neighbor's doing. And our neighbors happen to be Georgia and Clemson and Tennessee, right? Right? And what they're doing. Do, do you sense that at all? Do, do you do you pick up on that feeling from folks you interact with and, and talk to about Gamecock football at this point? 
I mean, most of the people I interact with and talk to are just, it's, it's just general frustrations. I mean, I don't think anybody's like horribly disappointed with where we are at this moment. Um, you know, because predictably, this is kind of where everybody thought we would be. And, you know, admittedly, you know, at this point in the season, I thought we would have been five and one. So, I mean, we're yeah. one loss worse than that. Um, I think that it's, it's honestly, I think it's just the way that, I think the thorn in everybody's side is, again, just the way that the offense has looked through six weeks of the season. And it looked better in the second half of Kentucky. So let's see if we can keep that rolling. Well, and I, I talked about it too, Alex. You, you hope that's the light bulb moment, right? You hope that second half is – and I, I don't think you look at that. I don't know that they really did anything to, to reinvent the wheel in the second half of that Kentucky game, right? Like, I mean, I think like the Antoine Wells screenplay. We've been running screens all year. It just it just happened to work, you know? It's a great play when it works, you know what I mean? When it's, when it's not getting yeah. blown up in the backfield. Uh, I, I will so, say, by the way, that this is a side note. I don't watch a lot of NFL. But I tell you what, watching the Broncos game last night, it made me feel better about our offense. I'm like, I didn't know it was possible to watch an offense worse than ours until I watched the Broncos. And I'm like, they are trash. Like, They're not good. They're <laughs> like, not good. I'm like, God, this is brutal. Uh, anyways, though, it's it's uh, like you mentioned, I, I would have signed up for four and two in a heartbeat. Because like I said, you, you have now put yourself in a position to achieve everything you want to. But it's, I think it's more so, again, Alex, back to the point. Of, thought I muted the, uh, the callers here. It, it's more of the point of what's happening at Tennessee offensively, right? It goes back more so to that point of what has gone so differently in a year and a half in Knoxville offensively than what's gone on in Columbia. I, I think that's where the frustrations really lie. Yeah, I t- well, and maybe maybe this is thinking, this is going maybe too galaxy brain on the question, but I think you 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 look at it and you're like, oh, we're getting this guy from Oklahoma, we're going to bring that whole Oklahoma system to Columbia, and we're going to be throwing the ball over the field, we're going to score fifty points a game, yada yada yada. We seem to have gone in the other direction from that, where you're going to be, you know, at least again based on Marcus Satterfield's own comments, you know far more conservative than what they would have been in Oklahoma. And like what Tennessee is doing right now is what Lincoln Riley was doing in Oklahoma. And so it's just, it's just two sides of that coin. I mean, we could do what, you know, they're doing in Tennessee, albeit maybe not as successful, but I mean, it's not, it's not some overly complicated scheme where it's, you know, you got 90 pieces moving in 90 different directions it's just getting your, it's just putting your guys in the best matchups that they can possibly be in and you know explaining that down to the quarterbacks and the receivers like this is what you got to do this is what you got to look for rather than you know putting somebody in a progressive read situation it's just like you get this you go here you get this you go here that's it and they run it incredibly effectively well and alex i think so too that you know you mentioned tennessee and when you look at them the the genius simplicity of it like, I, I feel like you have to be that way you know, in, in the transfer portal era where it's like you're going to be interchanging, interchanging players in and out, right? There, there, there's, there's levels to this thing, and there's facets to the game. Like, that is awesome if you can you're, – you're a mastermind of offense. And, I mean, dude, this can apply to any walk of life. Bro. Apply it to your business. You're, you're, like, you can know 
you, you can have all the knowledge in the world, right? If you can't convey that knowledge in a way, again, this is be so far beyond football. If you can't convey the knowledge you have in a way that's understandable for the audience in which you're trying to convey that information to, that information, that knowledge you have is useless. It's, it's, it's useless. It's just, it's flat out useless. And that can apply to football. That can apply to business. That can apply to, it can apply to parenting. Like you can know the most about life, but if you <laughs> yeah. can't convey that in a way that's understandable, you're, it's not going to hit home. Well, I, I think in, in two, going back to that, it's just, you know, like Josh Heupel played quarterback at Oklahoma. So he knows what he's looking at. He coached a lot of offenses all over the country. So he's got that experience like built into him where like he knows situationally how to execute those plays in the best manner. And I think that's 90% of the game of being an offensive coordinator is knowing when to call something, what look you need to get, like what their tendency is here and then being able to put your guys in the right position to execute. Now, I mean, like, I know I said last time, you know, 90% of the offenses are, you know, all the same. Like, Tennessee's doing some different stuff with splits and how they're lining wide receivers up, and, you know, that's putting but – that's, but that's a wrinkle they've added in there to bring confusion to those defenses. You know, it's like I was, I was joking with my buddy Will when we were watching the game, you know, like a fourth down – or – some, maybe it wasn't that game, but there was a fourth down call where somebody ran that fourth down out of the gun. And we were both like, I hate that call. And, and my comment back was like, at least we didn't, at least they didn't run it from like a tight split where you have all 11 people sitting right there. At least yeah. they had the decency to move the receivers out of the picture. <laughs> truly, truly spread it out. Yeah. That's infuriating yeah. when you see that, uh, when it's all bunched up like that. I mean, obviously we did that, I think, at Kentucky. So, uh, we and, did. Yeah, granted, thankfully, we're, when you win, it's funny how you don't talk about those things uh, quite as much or nearly as no. much, right? They get masked over. Um, this game this weekend, Alex, what's your overall vibe on this game? Because it's, 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 it's interesting, right? Both teams coming off a of bye week. South Carolina, we know, right? Four and two, one and two, hasn't been flashy, hasn't been sexy. Great win in Lexington against a Will Levis-less Kentucky team. Reasons to be optimistic, still reasons for concern. And then you look at A&M. Sounds like Haynes King is going to play at quarterback. We know they've got a fantastic running back in A-chain. Losing Anaya Smith on the outside has killed their offense. They're averaging 21 points per game. Got a stout defense, averaging 18 points per game. Lost to App State early in the year. Lost to Bama by just four. Like, sitting at three and three, you know, you, you feel like this is the most winnable game you've had in the series. A&M comes, as, comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on your field at night. How, how, how do you view this one? Like, what, what's the overall vibe and the mood from you coming in this game? I, I mean, I'm, admittedly, I'm surprised they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, I thought for sure it would have been a pick em, but, you know <laughs> – I, I agree with you. This is our best chance to beat them since this series has started. So, I don't – I mean, admittedly, and I'm going to live to regret this, but I don't think Texas A&M's really anything to write home about at this point. I mean, yeah, they've got great players on there, but for whatever reason, they're just not a cohesive unit by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, if we can 
if we can run the ball and create turnovers, like we're going to win that game. I and I would almost say pretty comfortably. Yeah, because I I don't think I'll say this. I don't think A and M. You know what's interesting, Alex is is I talked about this this morning with somebody else that these two teams in some ways are mirrors of each other. Really, <laughs> some of the things these two teams do. Like, I, I was talking to Chris Marler of Saturday Down South last week, and he just was going on and on and on about A&M and slow starts. And I'm like, you're literally preaching to the choir, bro. <laughs> like, like, bro, this game might be nothing and nothing at halftime, knowing these two teams. It's entirely I mean, possible. Really? <laughs> it's, bro, whatever the first half total is, hammer the under. I mean, that that that's really <laughs> – when we're talking best bets, that should be the under. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, that should be the play, I should say. But you know, it, it, I, I'll I'll add this to it. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of on your on your underplay, it has a sneaking feeling of when we played Florida last year, like where you've kind of gone through this adversity, at least on the Florida side, where it wasn't expected. Like you know, t- Texas A&M came out. Where would they start at six? Yes. Yes. Okay. Top Obviously, 10. that's not. Yeah. I, okay. So that the wheels have come off of that train and it's like you get kind of whooped by mississippi state going into the bye week like how are you keeping that locker room together it just to me it feels very reminiscent of us playing florida last year i could see it i could see it maybe not to the degree they were but i I get what you're saying i get what you're saying um I think the running back matchup in this one, Alex, is really intriguing. Lloyd against A-Chain. Again, I think a lot of this game, it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason because it's proven that line of scrimmage in the SEC, that's what it comes down to. And I I think A&M presents you with a little bit of a different challenge than Kentucky did. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they're they're better. I think they're better on both, especially their offensive line, I think is much better. Uh, Defensive line is very solid. What is Haynes King going to do? I I, I mean, again, their offense has been abysmal. This is really, I, I think, one of the greatest hesitations going in this one. Admittedly, I feel almost somewhat similarly to how I did going into Kentucky in the sense of, and I have not, Alex, as you know, I haven't made a pick. I, I won't make a prediction until late in the week. But it's one of those things where I'm so hesitant to to fully dive in, Right to fully jump on the bandwagon because of all the negative history. Like, that's what you're – which is so funny. These last two weeks, I could argue these last two games, I should say, Alex, are a microcosm of South Carolina football. You are fighting negative history. That's exactly what we do on a daily basis. You're fighting against negative history. And I don't say that to be any type of way, but it is kind of just the reality, is it not? Um, And that's what you guys, you – you were able to do so well. Spurrier was able to do so well was combat negative history, you know, and not let it define you. Yeah. So, well, I mean, in your defense, the probably defining image of the Shane Beamer era may be, you know, Zeb Nolan laying dead on the field <laughs> in Texas A&M last year. <laughs> yes. That, that, like, I, feel like if, I can assure you if things are going poorly – Saturday, I will post that picture with just mood as the caption. That'll say it all. Yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, dead on the ground, just, just done. <laughs> questioning, questioning life decisions like, should I have played football? Should I be doing this? Yeah, 
I had a clipboard. Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chilling. Chill. I, I know Zeb Nolan's on the sideline just watching some of the hits that Rattler's probably taking. He's like, glad it ain't me. Been there, <laughs> Yeah. Now, now, granted, Texas A&M was a very different animal last year, so right. I, I, I don't think we're I don't think we're staring down the barrel of a repeat performance of that. But I right. don't know. It just it feels like this sets up incredibly well for us. Like you know, you've had you know you've had three weeks to get the ground game in order, which has happened. You know, I I wish we had you know spent a little bit more of that time working on deep balls in live action situations. You know, that didn't come to pass. But that being said, you know, again, from an encouragement standpoint, you know, what Spencer was able to do in the pocket and stepping up and hitting crossing routes to Josh Fan and those guys against Kentucky to extend those plays where, you know, that would have been a throwaway or a sack four weeks ago, you know, that gives me a lot of encouragement and hope that, you know, hopefully this offense has turned the corner. And it's, you know, it's it's not designed to look anything like Tennessee's offense's gonna look like and that's just something you know as frustrating as it may be that's just something we're gonna have to accept for the time being but if you can continue to move the ball continue to move the ball on the ground and being able to move and Spencer's able to move around in the pocket and find those crossing routes I mean like we're gonna have a lot of success doing that on the flip side Alex of everything I just said about history and like who cares right we're this is the 2022 Gamecocks against the 2022 Aggies it doesn't matter what happened the last eight meetings I come into this game it's like you've got a reeling A&M team on your home field at night my mindset kind of goes back to the 10 to 13 days where it's like you should win like just period in discussion you should win you should win home at night you yeah, absolutely it's probably a yeah. sold out crowd good teams I, I and like I guess that's what we're going to figure out right as we go are we actually a good team or are we just kind of a a mediocre stumbled our way to six and 16. But if we're a good team, I think good teams win these games. I really do. I just good teams. Listen, I don't really, Florida is a mess, whatever. It's a while before we play them, but I would argue losing in Gainesville to Florida would be much more forgivable than losing this one. I, I just, you got to protect your home field, man. It's it's exponentially harder to win on the road. You, you got to protect your home field at night, man. You, you got to. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, yeah, losing like we lost at Florida, that would surprise me more than we lost to Texas A&M at home. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. It, but, it'll be interesting you know. for sure. I, I, you know, I, I put a lot of these games in boxes over the preseason and swing games and most important games. And again, I, I didn't really put Texas A&M in any sort of box, but this one feels like a big one. It, it does, you know, in regards to. Which I, you know, like I said, the, the mood right now is so intriguing to me. I, I think that's almost more interesting talk, to talk about than talking about the specific game on Saturday is that just the, the overall mood of South Carolina football fans right now. And I'm not saying it's everybody, but again, I just, we have a unique vantage point, Alex, on the fan base because of what we do and where we sit and looking at social media. And it's like, I still feel like people have this edge right now, this unsettled edge that I'm surprised is there. I know it comes from the offensive struggles. I know it comes from the Satterfield dis, 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 dissatisfaction, but it's still surprising to me. It is a little bit. Well, I mean, I, th I would tell you that mood's going to persist. If we, if we won 21 to 10, that mood's still going to persist. 
Like that's not going to change until like we beat somebody like fifty to ten that has a pulse. And, and that's like, and so, that's fair. That's fair. I get that. I get that. I, I would just say this though: if you beat A and M, let's say it happens, you should start seven and two. If you're seven and two, Alex, I don't want to hear one complaint. Like I, I just, I just smell the roses. Like wake up and like you know what I mean. Like just choose to be happy. Choose to be happy. I don't I, – I I guess I'd rather be in this position of trying to figure it out after a W. We've won three in a row. It doesn't feel like it. We've won three in a row. You know, it's like, like – I don't know. I, I understand, though, you, you don't be ignorance is bliss, ignore the problem completely, but we have won three in a row. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I'll well, take it's, a it's not, it's not I'll even take ignorance a 21 is bliss. To I'll take it. Well, of course. I would sign up for that right now. Uh, It's just, it's not happening in the way that I think people want it to happen. And that's where the frustration is coming from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And to be fair, to be fair, I spent a lot of the preseason saying it's year two about Beamer. It's about how you win, not just how many you win. So maybe I walked right into that. Maybe I sound like a hypocrite right now. But, you know, we say, listen, we say a lot of things over the summer and the preseason that they sound good or they make sense when it's July, right? And there's, but when you get in the midst of the season and emotions are flying and it's a roller coaster, you're just happy to win games. Like, I just want to win games. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to win. That's it. So, um, I mean, at least you didn't say we were going to win the SEC East on the internet. Well, I applaud you for having. So a I got that take. going for me. Yeah, I, I applaud you for having a bull take. It's not like every time I post a clip from you, somebody's like, "Oh, this is the idiot that said we we're going to win the East." But uh, <laughs> yeah, not like that. Well, I mean, honestly, thing. I'll say, I'll say this: if if you do beat A and M and you get to seven and two, it's not that. I mean, have crazy have crazier things happen? Have they? Listen. They have happened. Like you get Tennessee to beat Georgia, they stumble oh, again, and all of a sudden you can beat Tennessee at home. Pure madness. 19th. Pure madness ensues. There's still a path. Mathematically, there is a path, no doubt. Well, we'll see. I mean, that, that's, again, I, I think that's that's where it all stems from is the offensive struggles, and and I and I would I, listen. It, it is it is extremely fair to say that Spencer Rattler needs to have an improved second half. I mean, you could say about the numbers, the picks aren't his fault. The reality is he has five touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's just got to improve. Alex, here, here's something I'll leave you with because I'm going to get you out of here, but something I'll leave you with. You mentioned turnovers. If you want to know a wild stat, and it and it even it, it, it even more so goes to show why folks should be grateful about a four and two start. South Carolina, it's like we're like 120th or something. Minus six in turnover margin right now, right near the bottom of college football. So, I mean, and we're four and two. I mean, very, very, very fortunate. So, yes, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed with, to be with those two with, that with kind of those stat. numbers. Very fortunate. So, yeah, I mean, but you know what. At the end of the day, I think we're better than Texas A&M is, and I think we'll win this weekend. So, I love it. Calling the shot, calling the dub, and and I think that's a fair prediction. I, I don't think anybody that picks Carolina to beat Texas A&M is is like off their rocker or anything. Like I said, I, I haven't locked in a pick or a prediction. I'm, I'm going back and forth internally. I think they're I, like I sound like a broken record. I feel like as I feel very similar to how I felt the week of Kentucky. I I, I really do. Um, 
and that's you know it's it's funny, Alex. Again, one last thing before I get you out of here. It's funny. This week is sort of a microcosm of this entire second half in the sense of you have a lot of negative trends and streaks to break. A lot of them. You've lost eight in a row against A&M. You've lost three in a row to Mizzou. You've lost three in a row to Tennessee. You've lost seven in a row to Clemson. Like, there's a lot of streaks. There's a lot of streaks to break. So, you know, maybe, uh, you know, like like Coach Spurrier would say, yep, yeah, we're just doing some verse, you know, accomplishing some verse around here. So, maybe we're, uh, <laughs> maybe we're able to break a couple of streaks and, and do some things that, you know, and, and I'll tell you this too. I said it going into Kentucky. It's it's a little bit it, it not even a little bit. It's unfair. It's probably unfair that we put a lot of that we put these streaks and these these burdens on Shane Beamer that he didn't have anything to do with ninety percent of what happened. Right? Like he he didn't lose right. forty eight to three to A and M in twenty twenty. That was Muschamp's team that did that. So granted, last year we all know what happened against A and M. But I, I, I these are games that I think we talked about the importance of Shane Beamer establishing. My program's different. Like, these are games, if you start to win these, right? Right? You start to win these, it it starts to change narrative and perception, and perception's reality when it comes to college football. So, uh, this is just another huge opportunity. So, we'll see what happens. That's it. That's all you can ask for. So, Alex, always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know, obviously, we'll, we'll link up soon. Enjoy this beautiful weather, by the way. I don't know if you're a cool weather guy, but uh, – Many seasons here, pullover season, vest season, whatever you like. So, quarter zip season, baby. Let's do it. Quarter zip season, indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Alex, I appreciate you, man. We'll do it again next week. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Yeah, man. Great stuff. Love it. Love it. Alex McGrath. Always a pleasure to chat with him. Uh, Guys, on that note, we're going to go ahead and jump into a quick break on the other side, though your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377 here on this Tuesday, October the 18th. Again, I want to say thank you to Alex McGrath for taking the time to chat with us as he does every Tuesday. Always a pleasure, man. Alex, I'm, I'm blessed to call him a really, really good friend of mine and a great dude and uh, really appreciate his great work. It's wild, man. This is the third consecutive year that Alex McGrath has joined me on the airwaves in some capacity uh, during football season. And, and I love the fact that it's turned into – I have people, you know, when, when Alex jumps on, they're like, oh, it's officially football season. There's Alex McGrath. Now we know it's football season. And I love that. Like, I, I love the fact that's how people view it, so – um, let's see. I want to dive back into or really get into your questions, guys. We're sitting here 1247. Shane Beamer will speak to the media at 1.30. That will take place at 1.30. Stay tuned right here for that. We will tune into it and uh, hear everything that Coach Beamer has to say. Lady Bree commenting says, our struggles in Kentucky we're first-half quarterback play. Kid is still developing, period. We put unreal, unreal expectations on him because he was a five-star and had a great freshman year. But it's like we forgot he struggled hard the next year and got benched. How about, how about Todd Smith, by the way? Appreciate Todd Smith with a super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Lady Bree also says, what else? 
Lady Bree says, this is also 40 minutes, almost 40 minutes of critique I gave on Saturday after the UK game for you folks that think I only defend him. And I don't know if Lady Bree meant to put like a YouTube link. I, I, I'll tell you this though, Lady Bree, because Lady Bree, you seem like someone that you, you are interested in content creation and creating your own channel and having your own show. And I commend you for that. And I applaud you if you do that. I will support anyone that that is their calling and their passion. But I will tell you this, ain't nobody watching a 40-minute video. I, I can tell you, like, if, if, like my advice, I wouldn't just give this to you. I'd give it to content creators. If you cannot convey the information in a video that will fit on a social media platform, nobody's going to listen to it. So I would find some sort of way to crunch that down into, like, literally a 45-second clip. That, that's what that's what that's what wins on social media. That's what wins with people. Uh, I mean, some people might listen to a forty minute segment. They might, but I'm just telling you, if you want the masses to pay attention to it, you need to find a way to shrink the information and concise that, get that concise into something that is more easily consumable because people on the go, unless you put it in podcast form, and that's different. Put it in podcast form. I would suggest that. Uh, Anyways, I, I know I'm kind of that's the that's the content creator entrepreneur brain in me giving you my feedback. Uh, let's see. Thomas Walker says, "Fair or not, the fan base is sort of indifferent towards Rattler at this point. Just playing better ball isn't going to fix that. He needs to do something truly sacrificial to show he's a gamecock to get people back on his side." Thomas Walker, do you feel like people are against Spencer Rattler? Is that what you're saying? Because I, I don't really feel that. Now, I have felt since before the season started that there is a pocket of folks that, I, I don't know, for some reason they take it personally that, oh, this you know, this, this outsider came in and took the job from Luke Dobie. Like, no, they just, they went to the transfer portal and wanted to upgrade the quarterback position, and so they went and got him. And like, but I'm curious, Thomas. Do you feel as if a large portion of the fan base have jumped ship on Spencer Rattler? Like, is is that? A, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. If that is a, is that a thing? I don't. I don't know. I, I didn't think so. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I I know people are not happy with his play. But, like, let me ask you this. What sacrificial thing could he do? You know, what 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 sacrificial thing outside of just playing well and winning games? You know, I... I, I... Thomas Walker said, I said indifferent. They wouldn't be mad if Doty replaced him. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I think people's number one concern is winning games. So I, I think if Luke Doty came in and and won games, then I don't think anybody would be would be too terribly upset. I mean, it's all about winning games. Um, but I, I would agree with you, Thomas, to a degree that I, I'll say this, and, and you can pin the blame on, on Satterfield or the offensive line or the receiver play or, or whoever you want to blame it on. But I, But I will say, admittedly, that Spencer Rattler – has not had the game that I expected him to have. And I said over the summer that I really thought there would be a game or two that Spencer Rattler would sort of take over the game. And you looked at the game and said, man, Spencer Rattler put us on his back. Spencer Rattler won that ball game. And we just haven't seen it. Now, is this weekend the game? I, I don't know. And I'm, and I'm not saying 
you know, is it fair to have those kind of expectations of him? I, I mean, I don't know, but I, I thought that would happen. I, I really thought that that uh, I thought Rattler would have that kind of game. So, has the somebody asked about RJ Roderick? Has the RJ Roderick news dropped yet, or no? Some of you might be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Um, there is rumor going around that R.J. Roderick is no longer a part of the Gamecocks football team. So. We'll see if that's the case. I am sure that Shane Beamer will address that. I'm sure he will. Anyway. Yeah, somebody asked about Landon Sampson, just depth. I mean, I, you just, you know, Landon Sampson's a true freshman. I, I, I think that's being, – being a freshman All-American doesn't mean as – a, as a high school kid. Or, I mean, excuse me, being an All-American in high school doesn't automatically mean you're going to – I mean, l- let me say this, guys. Let me say this. People ask me on a weekly basis. People ask me on a weekly basis, well, where's the carry-on joiner? Where's Landon Sampson? Where's this guy? Where's that guy? Guys, we can't even get the ball to the playmakers that we have. We can't get the ball to the Josh Vans and the Jaheim Bells of the world. I mean, (laughs) like, and I would ask you this. Do you really believe that a true freshman's better than those guys I just mentioned? Again, when you're giving another player reps, you got to take somebody else's reps away. So whose reps are you taking away? Like, I would ask you this. Let's change the conversation. Who right now deserves to be benched? Because if a guy like Samson was going to play, if a guy like Joyner was going to play, somebody would have to be benched. Who should be benched? I just, guys, I mean, we're, we're struggling to get the ball to the playmakers we have on the outside playing right now. I, I mean, so, I, you know, forget spreading the ball around. AJ Bauer says, Leggett or Van? You're going to bench Josh Van. The I tell you what, the rise and fall of Josh Van has just been something, hasn't it? It's been something. I mean, I'm not trying to beat up on the guy, and but I, it's just, it's wild, man. It is wild. It is wild. Let's see. Going through your questions, there's a lot of them, guys. I'm just trying to catch up here. Just trying to catch up. Coach Ford, you cannot be supportive of Satterfield and against Rattler in favor of Doty. If Satterfield knows what he's doing, then he's playing the best quarterback he sees. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, Coach Ford, I, I, I still believe wholeheartedly that Spencer Rattler is undoubtedly the best quarterback on the roster. I, I just, yeah. There's one quarterback on our roster that's probably going to be playing in the NFL at some point. It's Spencer Rattler. So. A.J. Bauer says, Chris, I'm going with 28-20 to 20 South Carolina. Lloyd is a big night rusher for three touchdowns. Spencer throws one touchdown. Well, A.J., 
AJ, I love you, my guy, but I mean, have you ever picked Carolina to lose? See, that's the thing. Like, people think that people think they want me to pick Carolina to win all the time, but at some point, if you pick Carolina to win every week, then your predictions don't mean a whole lot. I'm just giving you shit, AJ. I, I, I know. I, I think you actually picked us to lose at Georgia. Hey, 28 to 20, give me that right now. I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it, my guy. Would love to see it. Buck Thomas, no one's calling for anyone to be benched. Doesn't seem like it would make a difference who's playing wide receiver in the offense at this point. That's that's very fair. Sam's got a lot of coverage recruits simply asking. Yeah, I just think Buck, you know, it's – it's. I mean, it's a luxury that he doesn't have to play. But, um, no, nah, I think just buried on the depth chart. I'm just – as a true freshman, it's it's hard to – you know, you got to earn reps, earn playing time. And, I mean, I think he's probably a good player. From all we've heard and we know, I think he's a good player. But just hard to get reps, so – no, it's it's fine. No, I, I was just making the point that if he was going to play, somebody had to be benched. Bottom line. Tyler Knoll, what time are you going to be out at Seawells? 1 o'clock. We'll be out there 1 o'clock till kickoff. 1 o'clock until kickoff. We'll be out there all day long, my friend. It'll be a good time. Let's jump to the ball. Call from Bree. Bree, what's going on? How are you? Hi, Chris. How are you? I, I actually have some time today, so so, so no rage quit today. So. <laughs> no, you're you're fine. You're let fine. me let me let me elaborate on that a little bit because I, I certainly hated calling in on you like that yesterday. It wasn't about you; it was just like the comments in the in the chat box because I, I couldn't even watch the show. I was working at the time; I could just keep up with the chat box. But right. um, you know, yeah, man. I you know, look, I moved back to South Carolina. You know, it's been a month and a half now. I haven't been working so. Of course, this last month, I had nothing to do. So, yeah, I've been creating content, yada, yada. And, and you know, honestly, yeah, you have inspired me. And, and some of the other podcasts and stuff, maybe I might get into that. I don't know what I'm getting into, Chris, if you don't know the truth. And it's certainly not a, a rivalry with you or any competition with you if, if I did do that. If anything, it'd be way down the road because, as you just said, I took a 40-minute video and made it. And shit, yeah, it probably needs to get condensed. I mean, good Lord. I'm long-winded. I say a lot of stuff. And, I, and I'm just learning how to do do this stuff you know this is new to me as far as uh analyzing this to this level and breaking this stuff down and so you know but i just wanted to create you know i created that video i just want to make sure everybody understood and that's the reason i shared that hey there's a 40 minute video of my critique from saturday i'm not just here to just defend the guy go oh hey you know yeah he, he has no mistakes he's got plenty of them there's a lot of stuff i don't like that he's doing it's just there's a lot of stuff that during the kentucky game got pointed out like I literally saw people on Twitter go, look at that interception. That's play calling right there. Bro, a one-on-one. And somebody was like, you're crazy. Why would we want Stog in a one-on-one anyway? Why would we not want Stog in a one-on-one downfield with a with a defensive back? I mean, come on, guys. That wasn't. There's nothing wrong with that play call. So people just take to Twitter and go, oh, what a horrible play call. It's, no, Spencer just threw the ball bad there. It's like we're scared to say that Spencer's making mistakes. Like we're going to scare off all five-star recruits in the future if we ever say that Spencer's done anything wrong. You know, that that's just kind of the feel I get from some of the fan base. Like they want to blame the, the OC over saying the QB's making mistakes because it's like we've never had a five-star. Oh, my God, we don't know how to act with a five-star uh, quarterback on our team. And, and, and personally, when – we got Spencer in the portal. I kind of knew that was going to happen because I, I watched the kid play, and he just he was inconsistent in Oklahoma, even during his best year. I mean, he had inconsistencies and issues come up. It just, you know, the next the second year was a lot, you know. And, and so, you know, 
I don't know what to say about that. I mean, what, what do you think there? Well, I blame them both. I mean, I, I don't think Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler's played great. Obviously, I, I don't think he's played great. I also blame Sat. You know, it's it's football is really interesting, right? Because coaching, I, I would argue, matters more in football than it does any other sport. Baseball is completely different, right? That, that's what I played, and that's the school I come from where it's like, you know, it's it's on you. You're a pitcher. It's on you to go out there and execute, right? It's all on you. It ain't – I mean, coaches might call pitches, but it's it's on you. Football's different because scheme plays in the in, in the factor and, and I'm watching film and, and strategy and all that. So, is Spencer Rattler executing at an all conference, all American type of level? No. Is he being put in the best possible positions on a consistent basis? I don't know that that's the case either. Like I, I sit here right now. Let me just let me just say this. Perception's reality, right? Satterfield to me is just not. He's not getting bailed out. He's not. He's not. I'm not going to allow it. I don't see it happening. I'm not predicting it's going to happen because perception's reality. We talked all summer long. I, I'm the first one to say personnel stinks. I said that last year. Personnel was no good, and it bothered people. It bothered some people for sure, right? That I, I just thought the personnel was not there to be explosive on offense, but that wasn't the case this year. Even if you want to argue he was inconsistent at Oklahoma, I I get that. I get that. He was. He got benched. He got benched. That's the reality. But we've also seen him play football to the point where he got anointed as a preseason Heisman favorite, number one NFL draft pick, like those types of things. Those didn't happen by accident. So he obviously has talent. And to take the talent that you have, I know the numbers say you're doing better, obviously 33 points per game, whatever. You know, I think SC State, Charlotte helps that out a little bit, whatever. And by the way, the play call to Austin Stogner, I thought that was a good play call. I mean, it's a six-foot-seven tight end going up against DB. The ball's got to be thrown better, no doubt. It's at least got to be thrown in a position where it's either Stog's going to catch it or nobody's going to catch it. You can't make an underthrow like he did. But 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 Sat's just not – Sat, to me, is not getting bailed out. Like, like you, you, you got I'm, the, the five-star. Yeah, Rick, go ahead, yeah. It's like it's like it's like everybody's speaking in absolutes here. It's like, dude, you don't think I've seen on Twitter where people criticize that play call? Like, I saw it with my own eyes. I literally just had an argument with somebody yesterday. I think in this chat room or another chat room, it was one of the podcast chat room where somebody's saying, "Why would you want Stogner on a one v one? He does He's not the guy." I'm like, "Come on, man! Don't don't sit here and speak in this kind of absolute to me, guys. Like, come on." Like, you, you're sitting here telling me I didn't see this on Twitter, that I didn't see people criticize that play, like, that people didn't say Satterfield. You might not have Hunter or whoever else, AJ or whoever else. You might not have said that was a bad play call, but still people still brought that up as a bad play call. Come on. Well, I, I would just say this in, in closing on the Satterfield thing, that, that again – you upgraded at so many positions across the board offensively. You you had a veteran offensive line coming back, and and I I just in the grand scheme of things, what concerns me is is the overwhelming narrative around our offense is how complex it is and how difficult it is, and I, I just I don't know how you're going to win big with that with that type of that type of offense. Like I I just the offense even when it works, the offense is boring. The offense is is bland. It's blah. We sputter. I, I mean, and you you can you can say whatever you like. I mean, listen, Rattler hadn't played as well as he needs to, but the, he's got the talent. 
So what's the missing link? What, what, what's the missing link? I, I just, I'm not saying that we, we have all Americans all over the place and, and it's all Satterfield just, you know, malpractice that that's ruining us, but we've got better players. I think, I mean, again, I was extremely critical of the personnel last year. I want to believe we have better players and to, to what we've seen offensively in our sec game. I, I, I think so. Um, this second half will tell us a lot. The, the second half is going to tell us a ton. Um, but that's it, what it, I'm thinking, Chris. Yeah. Second half will tell us a lot. Ahead, that's, a, that's the beauty is that we have yeah. six more games. That's the beauty. Uh, man, and that's my only frustration, Chris, is just, uh, just too much negativity going on. You know, it's like, look, we're ahead of schedule. People are like, how are we ahead of schedule? Like, we're really ahead of schedule. We're going to three games last year. Let's stop this talk like we're not ahead of schedule we're definitely ahead of schedule we've got a huge recruiting class coming in things are going well we're four and two this year now we weren't supposed to beat kentucky can we wait till the back half to get so negative hey look even even this weekend can we wait and find out what happens this weekend before we get so i mean if we come out and and you know freaking run the ball over them pass the ball over them have a great offensive explosion this weekend are we still firing that you know if we do it again the next weekend are we still firing that if we do it for the rest of the year are we still firing that if our offense actually looks better and to some people they say yes no matter what and i'm just like whoa that's just a little weird to me that no matter what no matter how good our offense looks for the rest of the season you still want to fire the guy because you don't like the system Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm all for if the guy earns his job, then I'm, I'm you know, so be it. I, I would go on record right now and say I predict that's not going to happen. I think that we will probably have a new OC next year. Uh, but I, I, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the OC is. I just want to win games. You know what I mean? I, I, I have no personal preferences or anything like that. Uh, I just want to score points and win games. And, again, it's interesting because you sit at the halfway point, and you're averaging 33 points per game. Um but, you know, it was a struggle against Georgia State. It was a struggle early, at least, against Arkansas. I know you got it going, but it was a struggle early. Georgia, obviously, was Georgia. Most people, un unfortunately, Charlotte and SC State, they're just – they're not even counting. Uh, you benefited from some turnovers in Charlotte, SC State's SC State, and then Kentucky. It was a struggle early in that one, too. Again, the hope is that the second half against Kentucky was the light bulb moment, and that was the moment that everything clicks, and – you know, you get it going against A&M. So, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people came into this season guilty till proven innocent when it comes to Satterfield. Next six games will tell us all we need to know. I, I, I'm comfortable saying that. Mm -hmm. Next six games will tell us all we need to know. Yeah. And, and with, the, with the Georgia State game, I mean, yeah, that was wonky, of course. But, I, you know, that one was one of those I felt like was a little bit more on Spencer. But then we got to Arkansas and Georgia. And, look, my critiques on those games were a lot more on uh, that and situational play calling and not dialing it. Man, I think we left runs on the board against Arkansas. We actually – when people said I was crazy and then other analysts came back and said, no, we ran the ball well against Arkansas. We just only – we didn't dial it up enough. That's 100% that. That's he's the guy – he said it in his post-conference. He's like, yeah, I probably didn't use the run enough. No shit, you didn't use the run enough. I mean, come on. I mean, we had we had thirteen. I think it was thirteen plays that were two running backs. That was it. There was four to four to Bell and one to, one lead option center took. I mean, come on. Of course, you didn't dial up the run enough if we only had thirteen plays go to running backs. Come on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I, like I said, I I think these next 
might sound obvious. These next six, though, will tell us what we need to know. I, I think so. So, uh, I, I just I, I still think it's concerning, though, to this point that like your playmakers aren't being featured more often. Guys like like Jaheim Bell's a non-factor. Josh Van's a non-factor. You know, Antoine Wells has made some nice plays. Jalen Brooks has come has come into his own. I understand defenses are accounting for these players, but it's still just – I don't know, man. It, it's tough to feel like you've got a guy like Jaheim Bell that is just – I don't know what's going on. I, I don't I don't know why he's not being used more. Uh, I said the same thing. 20 minutes of my 40-minute video was, was about that. You know, probably half, the last half of the video was about that. Now, Van, on the other hand, look, Van ain't showing up because I feel like Van ain't showing up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if maybe daddy life has, has gotten to him. I know what it's like to be a – a parent and an athlete it's not easy you know it's a lot going on in your world mm-hmm. um you know uh, so I, I can get that you know maybe that's what's going on with me i just don't feel like Vinny's showing up a bell and all we keep hearing is oh his blocking's improved this is improved he's getting better at this and it's, it, like i said like a few, few weeks ago uh, last week it's like if that's the case then can we see the kid in the game more he needs to see him in the newest minutes you can't you can't put him in the game just to run the ball to him because they key in on him every time. Every time he's in the game, there's a play designed to him, and, and they're going to key in on him, especially when he's in the backfield. If he's going to be in the backfield for a design play, then he also needs to be in the backfield to block sometimes. He'll run a route out of the backfield. I don't know. Something other than just come in, we're going to hand the ball to you. That's not going to work either, you know? So he's got to be in there more plays. I'm sorry. I mean, I like I like Nate Atkins. I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about him, obviously. I mean, he's not a horrible to play or anything. But all of a sudden, we got that guy, and we're utilizing him more than we're utilizing Bell. I mean, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. They said the blocking is the reason, or they're inferring the blocking is the reason, but they're saying he's getting better at it. Then let's see it. Put him in there, man. Let's, let's see it. And, and instead, we rolled it back, and we what do we do? What's that guy? What's that big guy that's wearing the like crop top jersey right now? You know, what is the offensive lineman that they just stuck out there because they need extra blocking? They, just, they had one play that was actually kicked it. It was Lee Atkins and the other guy, that guy, that, that lineman guy in the play, and none of our playmaking guys. I'm like, what the hell? That doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Well, you're gonna you're gonna need yeah. Bell, I think, in the second half of this season, no doubt, no doubt. Bree, great stuff. I, yeah, anyway, I, pre- yeah. I, I appreciate the call. Seriously, always a pleasure. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Take care. That was Lady Bree, and I, and, I, and I'll say this: I'll say this. Um, I don't feel like I had unfair expectations for. Spencer Rattler coming in. I, I mean, I, obviously, you see, I'm rocking the Beamer Rattler, sh- the, the hat and the merch and all that. But that 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 wasn't a that wasn't a I'm setting unfair expectations. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I I just hey, we, you should be excited when you have a quarterback with the abilities of a Spencer Rattler. But I mean, I think we can all agree that the play has been underwhelming. I mean, there's there's there's, there's just no doubt. You know what I mean? The play's been underwhelming. No duh. And while I put some of that on Spencer Rattler for sure, because he's the one out there, he's the one out there doing it. I mean, I, I just, you know, Satterfield's supposed to be the guy. Satterfield's supposed to be the, the quarterback whisperer, what have you. And 
they just just has not been there. Just has not been there. So, but I can tell you this. I don't think a quarterback change is going to solve the problems. I, I think all you're doing changing quarterbacks is creating a new problem. I, I don't think that solves any problems. You you didn't bring – you brought, Rattler's QB1. You, you brought him in here to be QB1. Until he just makes it blatantly obvious that he, he ain't cut out for it, he's QB1. I, I don't even think it's a conversation. I don't think it's a discussion. Now, what should be a discussion – Going into Texas A&M, I think being under center and using Marshawn Lloyd in the run game, I, I think that's your key to success. I, I cannot wait to see the running back matchup in this game. The running back matchup between A-Chain for A&M and Lloyd for the Gamecocks. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think a lot of this game is going to come down to, again, it's it's cliche, but it's cliche because it, it, it's fact. Run the ball, stop the run. You know, can, can we stop the run effectively? And, and again, what's so interesting is these two teams, they're mirrors of themselves in the sense of slow starts. I mean, I said it kind of jokingly. Meant it. First half un- be the play of the century. To accept, press one. To send a voicemail, press. Will, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? So, uh, hmm, just wondering what you thought. I, I think you might have touched on this before, but just wanted your opinion on. I've heard a lot of uh, talk about that second half of the Kentucky game, possibly Kitchens or, or Beamer taking over play calling. Do you think that's something that actually happened? And if so, is that something you think is going to keep going forward and just kept in-house if that is what is actually happening? Did, did I, do I think Shane Beamer took over play calling? No, I do not. Do I think there or was Frank enough? Or Kitchens or anybody. Yeah, was there, was there another voice? Uh, I, I mean, here, here's what I'd say. Here's what I'd say to that. If you're not going to use all resources possible, why do you even have them on staff? Like, if you aren't going to listen to a guy like a Freddie Kitchens or just anybody else, like, why even have him on right. staff? If, if Satterfield's doing it all on his own, then why have anybody else on the offensive staff to begin with? So, from what, you know, I, I, I think Satterfield was still calling plays. Was he receiving input from other people and taking it more into account than he has all year? Maybe so. What's so interesting, right. Will, again, about – that conversation, we can argue about it until the cows come home, but we're never going to know. I mean, Beamer's not going to confirm or deny. Or if he is asked, he's going to say Sat was calling the plays. Is that going to be a good enough answer for you and me and everybody else? Are you going to believe that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. It felt a little different, though, right? To me, the they should have the call felt a little different. To me, they should all be working together to get the most out of the offense. It shouldn't be a one-man thing. You know, I, I, in my yeah. opinion, I mean, why, why, again, if you're, why did you even bring Freddie Kitchens on staff if you're not going to use your resources? Like, I just. No, I get that, but I feel like if you're adequate enough, like, if you're, not to say that it's the same thing, but if you're Heifel, if you're Spurrier, I don't feel like they're taking Spurrier to, 
information from other people and what he was calling. You know what I mean? I feel like that was kind of his. Well, you know, believe it or not, he got he got uh, he he did get suggestions from Sean Elliott in the run did game. He? In in the run game, yeah. Okay. Because Sean Elliott was right. technically when it came to, when it came to Sean around, Elliott <laughs> was the run game coordinator. That was like his unofficial title. So, you know, I got you. you know, maybe it was Spurrier's humility that helped in making. I mean, obviously he's a fantastic play caller, but um, no, right. I mean, I I I get what you're saying. I, all I know is this: whatever they did in that second half, you. You just hope it continues. I mean, I I, I agree. It yeah. did it did look different. I thought they went under center more. I, maybe they simplified things down a little bit. Um. So, I mean, yeah. Look, it I'm hoping different. we do it. We come out. I'm hoping we come out a little bit more up tempo. Um. It just seems to that sometimes we kind of get in the rhythm a little bit doing that when we do go up tempo and it keeps the defense a little bit on its heels instead of letting letting so much time go and people get to line up and get in their positions and get calls and stuff, you know? I mean, I, I, I prefer that. Yeah, I, I preferred that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just wanted to get your opinion. I know a lot of people think that, you know, the conspiracy theorists think that the play calls were handed off to somebody else and they did it, but hmm. I don't know either way. But as long as it just continues looking like it did in the second half, I guess who gives a hell, right? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I just, just find a way, man, this second half. Just find a way. Find a way. Yeah. All right, brother. I'll hop off here, man. Will, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the call. Yeah. Here, we'll jump into another call. call we got him bringing off the hook. Hayden Padgett. What's going on, man? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. What you got? I wanted to jump on here real quick and say about three things. Mm-hmm. One, the whole everybody talking about switching the quarterback. I do believe in the three quarters we've seen of Luke Doty that the offense runs smoother with him. I'm not saying that he should be the starting quarterback. He just looks smoother, and that's probably because he's been in the system for two years instead of six months. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, I don't think that Marcus Pat is the answer at coordinator anyway shape or form uh i think what you're seeing with the improvement on the points per game and stuff like that is just the team's been overhauled and and the talent so much higher that you, you had no choice but to see some kind of improvement mm-hmm. and then the third thing the unsung hero of this offense gotta be just i mean jalen brooks has come on, developed really good, and I just don't feel like he gets anywhere enough praise for being the receivers coach he is. I know he's had some losses in recruiting, but he's also had some big wins. Um, I mean, as a rece- if I was a receiver, seeing the products we've been putting on the field for the past five years, it'd be hard to come here too. But he's still somehow keeping us. In the conversation with some guys, you wouldn't expect to see. You know? Yeah, no, I, I I like Steph a lot, and I would just say this about Justin Steph and that last guy, the Bennett kid that he missed on. I wouldn't pin that on Justin Steph, and that's all I'll say about that. Oh no, yeah, I think, I think the biggest problem everybody's seeing is with Marcus Satterfield, and it's just like. 
like trying to push a boat without a boat prop. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. I don't think he has any answer for it. It just that's about all I really wanted to say on the whole quarterback situation stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. I think you make some good points. I appreciate the call. Call in any time, my guy. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take care. Great stuff. Great stuff, for sure. Uh, you know, listen, this is a platform where you guys can call in, voice your opinion. I respect all opinions. I, I would not change the quarterback. I, I I, I think Luke Doty's benefited from when he's come into games, right? When he's come into games. Um, you know, coming in late when games are out of hand. I mean, it's like I told you guys, too, though. If I'm Luke Doty, I'm not taking any more garbage snaps. I'm... I'm I'm not doing it. Um, let's see. And I see y'all going <laughs> going jump the phone lines. Call from Robbie Davis, Zachary Hall of Famer. Tick. Robbie Davis, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm just sitting here at the lake in uh Batesburg, Leesville. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just hanging out. What's going on? I just wanted to say two things. One, I am convinced that if whoever whoever shows up in the running game Saturday night in that A&M game will win the football game, in period, okay? Who, whichever, team, whichever team runs the ball better is going to win that football game. And it is going to be difficult to stop A-Chain because that dude is like – insanely good okay and also my prediction for saturday okay is a m 35 south carolina 20 35 to 20 texas a&m there is the robbie davis prediction Okay. That that is my prediction. And uh I I think this I think that I think this this next half of the season Rattler is going to step up his game because the first half he did not play very well. He had more picks when he did touchdowns, but I think he's going to step it up a little bit and prove a point in the in the, in the next half of the season and uh, take care of some business that needs to be taken care of and break some streaks that need to be broken. A lot of streaks to break, my friend. A lot of streaks to break. So. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's it for me because I know that Beamer is going to be on in, like, eight minutes. So, uh, you have a great rest of your uh, week. And, uh, as always, leave the stupid stuff to me. Will do, Robbie. I appreciate you, my guy. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you, buddy. Mm, take have care. Have a good one. Robbie Davis out at the lake. That's probably the shortest – one of the shortest Robbie Davis calls we've ever had. Uh, he's got 35 to 20. 
A&M, though. 35 to 20 A&M. Let me go back. Again, I see you guys going back and forth, going, going at each other's necks, going at each other's necks in the comments. Um, And this Ben Smith character, I see him a lot on Instagram. That comment takes up like the entire page. But he says, uh, I think half our fan base is tired of being fed sunshine by coaches, whether it's Beamer or Muschamp or whoever. And Ben in the second half of this comment makes my point I made yesterday. Tennessee, Georgia, Clemson are competing for championships, and we're scratching and clawing to get to a bowl game. Prices of tickets, parking, Gamecock club membership have increased, but it's the same dysfunctional product on the field every season. Probably won't beat Clemson for another five years, if that. Ben, again, Ben literally makes the point for me that I made yesterday. Is the... Is the morale of Gamecock fans more so based off of what Shane Beamer and company are not doing? Or does it stem from what Clemson and Georgia and now Tennessee are doing? I mean, Ben literally makes my point that I made yesterday. I mean, it's year two of Shane Beamer. Did anybody in year two expect us to be a nine or ten win football team? I I don't think so. And if you did, I think you set very improper expectations. But because of what our rivals are doing, it makes us have, you know, impatience. Again, Ben literally makes my point for me. Let's see. Uh, He said, I'm not complaining I have to pay. I'm just saying USC football is pulling in more money than ever before, so we should be able to do the simple stuff like run a competent offense. And, yeah, it stems back to the offense, right? Not being being as productive on offensive as folks would like. But, again, I I just think a lot of the – a lot of the – the disdain and the discomfort and the unsettled nature comes from what the rivals are doing. And I I just – I think that's unfortunate. I, I think that's a bit unfortunate. I'm, I'm not telling you to be satisfied or be content or be happy, but I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I said it yesterday. I think Gamecock fans, I think a lot of Gamecock Nation, a lot of this fan base has lost its innocence. I think a lot of this fan base has, for some reason, they think South kind of football is supposed to be what Georgia is. You know, it's, but again, I I get it, right? Your rivals are having success and and it, and it's, I don't know, man. Maybe my expectations for Carolina football are just lower. I I don't know than than some others. I I don't know. I mean, I I know what Carolina football can be. Craig Goblin, here's a good way to put it. When your three best friends are dating supermodels and you're dating Roseanne Barr, I don't know who that is. It stings a little. Well, you know what you do in that scenario, Craig? It stings, but you work on yourself. I mean, I've said it before about Carolina Clemson, whatever. I think the best thing that Gamecock fans can do is ignore the success of the rivals. That's the best thing you can do. 
as long as Carolina take, is taking care of their business within the building, I mean, that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Guys, we're going to have Shane, uh, Shane Beamer on here in just a second. Getting Shane Beamer on in just a second. Here we go. Very curious of what Coach Beamer has to say. Very, very curious. To the point of the money spent, because I see Travis Lee spending 300 a week to go to a game to see 300 yards of offense and struggling to score. Look like we even know what we're doing. That's why a lot complain. Most could accept going 7-5, 8-4, putting up 40. Travis Lee, I mean, I would say this, man, with all due respect, like you don't have to spend your money to go to the game. You don't have to go. You, you can very easily watch on TV. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I do get that. But at the same time, like if you're making that investment, you make the investment as a fan – Complain. You have every right to complain. I'm just – and, yeah, not you, Travis. I would just say to anybody, though, like, to make the point of, like, listen, I think people should have an opinion. I think people should be held accountable, like, coaches and players and stuff like that. But, like, if you don't want to go, don't go. All right, let's go ahead. From the teleconference and the other night, uh, really good bye week for us. Here we go. I've uh, got a lot of work done. Practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday last week, and, and then our players had Thursday and Friday off. Uh, coaches were able to get out on the road recruiting. Was a uh, is great to be on the road recruiting. A lot of energy and excitement about South Carolina football right now, as you can imagine. So we were in a lot of us in South Carolina and multiple states as well over those two days, and, and saw a lot of great prospects that are either committed to us or, or hopefully will be committed to us soon. Uh, everybody had the weekend off, and then we got back in here on Sunday and had a good practice Sunday night and and a really good day out there this morning as well. Um, you know, injury-wise, we're in really good shape. Knock on wood, um, Corey Rucker won't play this week. But other than Corey and Terrell Dawkins isn't quite back yet. But other than those two, uh, everybody's got a chance. CBS, uh, Christian Beal Smith practiced this morning and looked fantastic. Uh, those guys just continued. Devonnie Reed continued to get better. Boogie did everything this morning in practice. So like where we are from a from a health uh, standpoint. Uh, gonna, excited about this Saturday. Obviously going to be an awesome environment in the stadium on Saturday night. The fair going on across the street, a night game in Columbia, SEC night game as well. As you can imagine, we've got a ton of uh, recruits that will be here at this game, which we're excited to visit with. I know tickets are in high demand. I'm, I'm the head coach, and I'm trying to find more tickets. Uh, my wife and family, we've given too many away, so i still got people calling me. So uh, it's a hot – Hot ticket, which uh, it should be. Our guys have earned that right to have a big game like this. And and uh, we need to have a great week of practice in order to go be able to play well on Saturday night against a really good team uh, in A&M. Coach Fisher's done a great job with those guys. They're playing a lot of freshmen. They're bat they've battled a handful of injuries uh, like we have as well. But really, really, really talented. Uh, the, the running back on offense is dynamic. And uh, a heck of a player, big physical offensive line, athletic tight ends, highly recruited receivers, athletic quarterback. Uh, defensively, I've talked about it before, their, their size and their length on defense uh, stands out, particularly in the secondary. Uh, they have DBs that look like linebackers, and um, they're a veteran group uh, on the back end. And then a really, really talented 
uh, defensive line as well that is half of them, I guess, are true freshmen, but really, really playing well. And then special teams, they're elite. The running backs, their kickoff returner. He's already taken one kickoff back for a touchdown against App State. Had a chance to pop a couple more. And and uh, they got us last year <clears throat> in the return game on a punt for a touchdown. So we've uh, our coverage units have to be fantastic. And then we've got to continue to win, those, win that phase on special teams like we've been able to do for the most part this year. But off to a good start and, and looking forward to, uh, to Saturday night and being back home in our stadium. And I know our, our I know our fans are excited to to get out and see us as well. Hope that Gamecock walk. We're encouraging recruits to get here early to to see the walk and, and expect that to be dynamic and and then uh, everything else throughout the night. And we're working really hard to make sure we put on a good show. So questions. Shane, looking at the depth chart uh, released yesterday, I noticed R.J. Roderick wasn't on it. Is he still part of the team? R.J. is not a part of the team uh, anymore. Uh, he's uh, I'll let R.J. speak for himself, but right now he's not a member of this football team and, and uh, uh, won't be going forward. And having said that, I've met with RJ and his mom on Sunday and had good conversations and, and I, just, I don't want to speak for, for RJ, but um, everything's good from that standpoint. Coach, you have a pretty good track record coming off when you got some extra time to prepare for a game. Is it just the power of a good night's sleep or, or extra time with film? What is it that you kind of credit that to? I think it's a combination. Uh, season openers uh, were a couple of those. That obviously, we had a whole year to prepare, and, and our guys played well. Bowl game, we obviously played really, really well the off week. Uh, last year and then extra week to prepare for for Kentucky as well we need to keep that going uh you know A&M's in the same situation because they were off last week as well but I think anytime you have a chance to one get rested but two uh have a little bit extra time to prepare for your next opponent it for the most part it it, it helps you know a lot of times you want to keep playing and not have an off week and things like that but I know for us this week or this week specifically the uh, we needed it just from a health standpoint <clears throat> to get healthy and, and get rested mentally and physically. But I don't know. I think each situation is different, and, and hopefully we can continue that track record of success uh, this week as well. I'm sure we asked you about the storyline of South Carolina never beating Texas A&M last year. So you I need guess, to this year as well. Yeah, maybe okay. maybe we won't have to ask next year. But uh, what, <laughs> what's, what does that, I guess, mean to you? And, and do you talk about it with your players at all, about the opportunity to do something that hasn't been done? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit this morning that <clears> – <throat> Um, we haven't, and and uh, certainly that's disappointing. That's a game that we need to win at some point. But you know, also made the point that that has nothing to do give give A and M credit, but that has nothing to do with the 2022 game. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are going to be playing on Saturday night that have never even played Texas A and M. And uh, every year is different, but uh, give credit to A and M. They've been better than us. Uh, I remember I remember watching that game on TV, whatever it was, what 2014, I think, uh, when they came in here when SEC Network started, and and um, I think it was SEC Network, right? Yeah, because it was on ESPN, and then it flipped to SEC Network, and I realized I didn't have SEC Network and needed to get it uh, that night. But uh, I remember watching that on TV, and and um, you know they've been better, and uh, we need to play and coach a lot better than we have in the past. But certainly, anytime you can have the opportunity to do something that you haven't done, that's motivation. Shane, kind of a bigger picture SEC question. Obviously, you know everybody seemed to be watching that Alabama Tennessee game. It seems like uh, after a few years of the SEC West kind of being the feature division, 
the East is kind of making a comeback. It's getting to be like when you were here as an assistant. Yeah. Are you do you notice that as a coach? And what do you think the difference is? Is just trying to out recruit what the West is doing and kind of get yourself on par. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, uh, the West has had a you know a, na a national champion recently in LSU, a national champion recently in Alabama, um, here in most recently, and um, you know obviously in the East we've had Georgia. You know, across the SEC East, it's it's gonna or it, across the SEC period, it's gonna be really really good football. And, um, you know, when I first got in the SEC, I was a graduate assistant at Tennessee, and that's when Tennessee and Florida were the winner of that game was going to uh, win the play for the SEC championship and, and have a chance to play for more than that as well. And by no means do you see the, the West necessarily slipping by any stretch of the imagination, but you certainly see the East um, uh, coming back around for sure. There's great programs. There's traditional programs that, that have a lot of pride as well and there's programs that are continuing to to get better and and to me it's just one of those if you're going to be in this league you better recruit your butt off and coach your butt off and, and be as good as you possibly can be otherwise it'll eat you up and spit you out pretty quickly Shane, uh, you, you sold Devin a chain last year for yeah. A&M. Uh, kind of a similar running back to Chris Rodriguez. What are the differences there? And also as a part of that, you guys were able to stop Rodriguez pretty well. Do you think the same game plan will work at stopping a chain? Yeah, I think it's different. I mean, the, the offenses A&M and Kentucky are similar in a lot of ways. A lot of the formations and, and the, the tempo they they want to play with and the schemes, there's some carryover. Um Every game's different, you know, so we don't sit there and say, okay, we're taking the same identical game plan that we did against Kentucky and we're going to use it every week. We're going to kind of do what we do and tweak it. But, no, I mean, they're both really dynamic, productive backs. Uh, Rodriguez is so big and physical, not that A&M – the, the, the A&M is not. He's just – he's built different and he's just – he's got unbelievable vision, David. Um, you know, you watch a lot of his runs. He had some explosive runs against A&M, and if you watch in the end zone copy and you pause it, you'd say, okay, this is a no gain, and next thing you know, it's a, a big play because he's just – he's shifty, he's got great vision, he's got great feet, he's got world-class speed. And, um, you know, just like A&M trying to tackle that guy, we talked about gang tackling and getting 11 guys around the ball. And, and flying to the ball, it's going to be the same thing this week with, with these guys because he's really, really, really talented. And they do so much with him out of the backfield as well because of his speed. He's a, he's a really, really good football player, uh, without a doubt. Shane, hope you're doing well. Eric Douglas was in here earlier, earlier today saying he thinks Spencer's kind of one of the calmer guys on the team. He noticed that at halftime at Kentucky. What is it about Spencer and the way he kind of just keeps everything, I don't know, in check, I guess, when it's high or when it's low? Yeah, I think that's just his personality and always has been. Nothing um, – he doesn't get rattled. And um, uh, he's a competitive guy. He shows emotion when needed, but he's a guy that doesn't get too high and too low, and I think that's a great quality, you know, for your quarterback. Um He's been through battles before, first of all, so he's got a calming influence. I mean, he he won a <clears throat> conference championship at at at, uh, at at Oklahoma, and went through with some adversity and was in some tough situations, and even then never got rattled. and And um, when we lost the first two conference games at Oklahoma in 2020, when he was our starting quarterback, he didn't get rattled. He came right back and never lost again as a starting quarterback at. Oklahoma and, and uh, even here if there's been a turnover whether you know it's a drop or whatnot 
he 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 he's not super emotional and on a roller coaster. And I think that's a great quality to have in your quarterback. He's a confident guy, and he certainly brings confidence to our offense with the way that he um, the way that he handles himself and carries himself throughout the game. Hey, coach. Hope you're doing well. Um, so Jalen Brooks has kind of made a resurgence in this offense as of late. Um, can you kind of talk about you know his impact in the passing game and just overall with the offense? Yeah, he's uh, he's been fantastic and and has been ever since he he came back. Um, you know, I thought he was doing some really good things for us last year before he wasn't able to finish the season. And he plays like a guy that is uh, appreciative for every single day that he gets to come in this building and gets to go practice football because that was taken away from him last year. And um, he's he's been awesome. Uh, as a receiver, he can run, he can catch. He's gone up and won a lot of competitive 50-50 balls in the air. And then watch him on special teams as well. I mean, he's been great on special teams also. He's the guy when when the other team punts, he's the guy that goes out there and, and is matched up one-on-one with the other team's gunner, which is normally what you do with a defensive back. You know, we do it with Jalen Brooks because he's got length and he's competitive and, and he's really good at it and and uh you know very few receivers in college football are doing that so he's very unselfish uh, he's got a great energy about himself and i think it's just he's appreciative for the opportunity to, that he got again and uh is maximizing that and he's a really good football player too that's just continued to get better yeah coach it seems like we're talking about marshawn lloyd almost every single week now how nice is it to see him just consistently do what he's capable of doing uh now for you guys yeah it's been awesome he's uh uh, when we run the football, as you guys know, we are successful and we typically have won football games when we've run the ball efficiently. And uh, Marshawn's doing a great job. He's he's healthy, for one. <clears throat> so he's playing fast. He's playing physical. He's making people miss. He's really improved in his pass-catching ability. So that's a that's a element of his game that he's gotten better at as well. And, uh, you know, give credit to all those guys around him, the receivers and the way that they're blocking unselfishly and the tight ends and the offensive line. Uh, so we've got to continue to continue to keep that going. But happy for Marshawn because, you know, like all of our guys, but especially Marshawn, football is very, very important to him. And uh, he's really passionate about uh, um, playing and it shows on the field. <clears throat> Jane A&M's not in a heck of a lot of different situation than you guys were in last year with as many quarterbacks as they've had to play. And I guess, obviously, they haven't announced who they're going to start this week. But I guess, how much does that matter for you guys as far as game planning on who's, whether it's going to be one of two, three guys? And I guess, what does that do as far as what you guys are doing this week? Not much, to be honest. I mean, I think they're similar, um, similar skill sets. I mean, I think both the quarterbacks that we may or may not see are, are um, athletic and and um, um, are just going to run their system. You know, Coach Fisher, <coughs> excuse me, does a great job uh, running that offense, and, and their system's not going to change. So uh, certainly one's got a little bit more experience and another one's a freshman and whatnot. But as far as our game planning and things like that, not really just because they are – it doesn't really change because they're not really um, super different from a skill set standpoint. Shane, obviously, uh, you guys were really excited after Kentucky. Going into the bye week, were the guys able to kind of focus that excitement and confidence in the right way, working last week and then into this week, getting ready for Texas a I felt so. I felt like they did. Um, you know, we beat <clears throat> Kentucky 
we met on Sunday and, and the meetings were good. Like every game, win or lose, we come in here and we showed the things we did well. And there's a lot of things we didn't do well that night in Lexington and learn from it. And then practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and I was curious to see, okay, what's our mentality going to be at practice on Monday? It's a Monday morning. We just beat Kentucky. Everybody's patting us on the back, telling us how great we are. It's a bye week. Um, they're going home that weekend, and they were awesome last week. I mean, we, we, were, we, we weren't on the field necessarily as long as we normally are during a week, but we worked last week, and, and really uh, we got better, in my opinion. And so I was proud of the guys, the way they handled it. Certainly it was nice to have a bye week where you could enjoy the win, if you will, a little bit longer because you don't have to get ready for an opponent. But um, it was right back to work, and, and really for us it was under, trying to make them understand that, that we can be a lot better as a football team, that we did some great things in, in Lexington that night, but um, we, we can play you know, a lot better than what we did in, in, in certain areas also, that we left some plays out there. Uh, with the ground game success, do you, do you feel like that's the identity of the offense and something that was kind of talked about a lot earlier on in the season, or do you feel like that's – sort of still being written that story? No, I mean, I think we're on track that <clears throat> that's something that, you know, you go right next door in that team meeting room and we talk about how we win football games and running the ball and stopping the run is, you know, right up there at the top of it. So that'll always be something that I want to be known for. But also offensively, I want us to be able to run it when we have to run it, but also be able to throw it, you know, when we when we want to throw it as well. And um we're doing a better job. By no means have we arrived from an offensive standpoint. We're going to play some really good defenses down the stretch starting this week. So we've got to continue to get better at running the football. And as you run the ball better, that opens up more and more things in the passing game as well. So, yeah, I'd say we're on track to being what we want to be about, physical, play really, really hard, and being able to run the ball, but also with the ability to to throw it also. And uh, um seen signs of being able to do both and now we've just got to continue to get better at all those at both those things um, i wanted to ask you about mitch he's been super consistent this year six of six on field goals mm -hmm. you know kept the ball out of barry and brown's hands yeah. the, the other night at kentucky just you know i know he was still fighting for that job through most of preseason just kind of what have you seen from him and has it been a surprise just kind of how well he's performed this year. Yeah. No, he's done great. Um, and I think it's more of a testament to have to him and Alex Herrera that that competition went as long as it did because we've got great confidence in Alex. He hit a long field goal out in practice today. Alex did. So we've got both – we've got confidence in both those guys. But I think as Mitch has been able to get out there um, – this season, his confidence continues to grow. I mean, starting his first game as a starting kicker and he hits two 50-plus yard field goals, that'll do it. And then the way that he kicked off last week, I mean, he was he was animated and excited about those kicks in the end zone, which was great. You know, So I think he's a guy, like any young player, as you get in there and you get experience, you continue to gain confidence. And <clears throat> he's doing a great job uh, of that. And we need him, need him to continue to, to come along and, and be great. But really proud of what he's done so far. And and uh, he's a weapon for us. Hey, Shane, Zach Pickens was in here earlier making us laugh with his stories from the fair. Um, what, uh, I mean, and you talk about stopping the run a bunch. <clears throat> what impact does he mean, or yeah, what does he mean to um, this defensive line and stopping the run, especially against a team like AM? Yep. So Zach was at the fair recently. Yeah. So what he said, I bet you that was good. Um, I need to check those, check or find those stories out. Uh, he's been awesome. He's so, um, um, What's the word? He's a great leader for us, a great emotional leader. He's awesome. You know, in, in team meetings, 
he's he sits right in the front row right here to my left when I'm talking and just you know seeing look being able to look in his eyes and just the passion that he has um I feel like okay this meeting's going well if I see him over there kind of like nodding his head and things like that and if there's not much of a reaction I'm like oh crap maybe I'm not being very good this morning but he's an emotional leader and he's just so disruptive like he can be so dominant uh when he wants to be and He's doing that more and more regularly. He was awesome against uh, he was awesome against Kentucky, and and proud of him because he came back to school this year and he's he's done nothing but help himself. You know, he's playing his butt off, playing really really hard. Um, and I think I mentioned it. You watch him on on extra points. You know, when the other team scores, he's trying with all his might. He ain't taking the playoff, feeling bad about we just gave up a touchdown. He's trying to block the extra point and take it back the other way. And that's just him and really, 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 you know, proud of him. Shane, this is another leadership uh, question. You talked about the team's attitude coming off the Kentucky win. How much of that can be attributed to the veteran leadership of the players making sure that everyone understands what you're facing now? Yeah, no, um, without a doubt. We told our guys when we went to Kentucky, Rick, that, you know, our leadership has to be strong in, in Lexington. Um, going on the road and handling that adversity that we, we, that we, will, we, would, we faced on the road. And uh, it's no different this week as well. Coming back, we got a lot of young guys that um, uh, are going through this for the first time. And now you're right back into SEC play after a big win in Lexington. So our leadership has to, you know, help us go right back to work and, and be our, be great leaders. You know, our best players got to play their best on Saturday night. And, and that's the leaders on this football team. And from what I've seen, they've done a great job of that. And, and our guys have really done a nice job of going right back to work starting last week and then into this week and attribute that to, you know, a lot of the guys that are, that are leaders on this team. Kind of going off of Joe's question, I've been asking the guys about the state fair and just, you know, favorite foods. Lots of them have had different answers from the donut burger to the fried Oreos and everything. Have you gotten over there yet? And you got anything specifically you'd target if you got there? I haven't. Uh, I feel bad saying that, that I haven't. I look at it at my window early morning and then throughout the night. And But, no, I haven't gotten over there. My kids went yesterday, and they had all kinds of stories. I got home last night, and they were all asleep. <clears throat> but there was all kinds of just – prizes piled up in the kitchen floor of things that they won uh, at the fair yesterday. So they had a good time. Believe it or not, my last time to the fair was when I was an assistant coach here and uh, our offices were at the stadium. So it was easy to just walk across the street and come right back. So I remember going over there when Sutton, our oldest, she's what 14 now. This would have been when she was a baby and went across the street. We rode an elephant together. That was pretty cool. Um, not every day you get to go to the fair and ride an elephant in Columbia. So we did that. And I think that was my last time at the fair. And then I've been around it. Obviously, when you're at Oklahoma, you play Texas in the middle of the State Fair of Texas, which is, if you guys have never been to that, you need to. That's a bucket list trip. But that's pretty cool. You know, we drove through the fair at the game, and my kids and wife enjoyed that one. But I have not been, so I can't, I can't comment on the food. I know there's some great things over there, but I've been too busy, um, too busy over here. Two more for you. Uh, Corey Rucker's saying, is it similar to or, or the, the injury that he dealt with in preseason? Or is he yeah, I think in his – or not in his mind. I think uh, he played against – what was that, Charlotte? Yeah. Played in that game and, and aggravated it a little bit in that game, and it's just been kind of slow coming back along. So, yes, yeah, not a new injury. It's, a, it's aggravating what he had done before.
And were you supposed to say something about your dad's birthday? Oh, yeah, it's my dad's birthday. So I already called him this morning, so I feel like um, I done my, did my part because I called him this morning before we went to before we went to practice and, and wished him happy birthday. So, yeah, happy birthday to my dad, and we'll see him this weekend. And hopefully we can play well and make some plays on special teams and give him a great present. Thank you. Shane, the carry-on, is he completely healthy, you know, from that thing he had earlier in the year? Yeah, uh, I think he would tell you that. Um, <clears throat> He's nobody that we're concerned about injury-wise. He's doing a great job for us on special teams. And, and then the position that he plays, he's our F receiver, which is essentially like the slot guy with Amari and Brown. And we, against uh, Kentucky and some of these other games, we've been in a lot of 12 personnel. I mean, we got two tight ends out there. So if there's two tight ends out there, then there's going to be one less receiver on the field. And, uh, and we didn't play a ton of plays against Kentucky. So he's healthy. He's doing a great job on special teams. And, and – uh, uh, is doing a nice job at, at at receiver for us also. Shane, you guys, I think, lead the nation in punt blocks right now. Uh, I got asked about it on the radio earlier, asking why you guys are able to do that. I'm, frankly, I'm not really sure. So I guess you kind of answer that. What is it about punt blocks? About Coaching. That, Come on, what, Ben. What is it? <laughs> is it just that uh, you're the head coach, you're dialing up punt blocks? I mean, is it? what is it that you guys are doing to be able to get um, kicks? No, I think uh, that's a great question. Um it's a lot of different things. One, uh, <clears throat> the emphasis that we put on it as well. Certainly when I'm the, being the head coach, it helps because when I was at Oklahoma and I was in charge of like the punt block team, you're always hesitant because if you rough the punter, Lincoln Riley is looking at you like, come on, man. You know, and Steve Spurrier was doing the same thing because they're offensive guys and they want the ball back. So certainly when the head coach is involved with special teams like I am, and, and want to be aggressive because I believe when you're aggressive and you're able to block punts, that helps the return game as well. If you look at our punt return average right now, what we're averaging per punt return, it's probably triple what it was last year. And a lot of that is because teams are having to stay in there and protect because the, of the threat of getting a punt blocked. But, no, you, I give Pete Limbo and, and uh, Stanton Weber, our analysts, they spend a, a ton of time on it, on special teams. And, and every week's different. It's not like we just say, okay, here's our pump block and, and go. I mean, there's a, there's a game plan that we have every week on special teams. And, and when, we, when the other team's punting and our pump pressure unit is out there, we have multiple calls and, and – you know, we have checks. Okay, if they line up in this formation, we're going to run this. Or if they line up this way, we're going to run that. And and then credit our players for for buying into it as um, as well. You know, every every team you play uh, that that punts the football, they've got their scheme. So we try and do a really, really, really good job of uh, breaking down their protection scheme and and what they're doing, and therefore how to attack it as well. And then our players, when you are able to have some success in it, like we did starting with Georgia State. Uh, they buy into it and and they get excited, you know, about it. And, and Pete does a great job of keeping it fresh and, and keeping it entertaining. The the different uh, calls that we have for some of the returns and, and rushes. I mean, there's a different theme each week from the air the movie Airplane to uh, famous member, famous uh, uh, stars of the show, Sopranos, or whatever it may be. I mean, there's you never know what you're going to get. The theme for pump pressure this week and all the calls. So um, he 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 does uh, he does a really good job, and then our players have done a great job of buying into it. Shane uh, MJ Webb, he's been around for a while. He was in here earlier talking about 
uh, some of what the best, I guess, game to- game caught teams he's played for. Talking about the physicality they had, the connected- connectedness they had. What have you observed from him as far as his maybe role or presence among the team? And just can you speak to um, some of those things he was talking about, maybe the physicality or the connectedness that this team plays with? Yeah, no, MJ is um, – he's fantastic. He's a veteran guy that he's very much like Spencer, doesn't get too high, too low on offense. You could say the same thing about MJ. I mean, he's just a calming influence and uh, does a great job in his role on the defensive line. Very unselfish, great team player. And, uh, and, and I agree. I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about being a, uh, a connected team and uh, a, a close team. And you can't just talk about it. You know, you got to be about it and be very intentional about it. And, and uh, I agree with him. You know, we, we really try to work to uh, each week get closer and closer and more connected as a team. And then we pride ourselves on being really physical as well and, and uh, playing that way. On, on Saturdays, we practice that way. And I believe if you practice that way, you're going to play that way on Saturday also. Yeah, Shane, I wanted to riff off Ben's question about you guys block a punt and it's Beamer ball. You complete a pass, it's, it's Beamer ball. Is there some kind of Dead Sea Scrolls compendium of special teams play <laughs> that the Beamers are, are privy to and nobody else is? I mean, what is that, <laughs> what is that like? No, I wish it was that simple. No, um, I think it's just uh, starting with my dad. He'll tell you uh, early on at Virginia Tech, they weren't very good, and special teams was a way to to try and even the playing field a little bit. So when he first went to Virginia Tech and was coming in here and playing Todd Ellis and Sterling Sharp and all those guys, they needed to find a way to uh, uh, keep it close, you know, and him coaching special teams was a way of, a way of doing that. And, uh, you know, it goes back to the – the emphasis we put on it, we put a lot of emphasis on it here. We spend more time on special teams in practice and in meetings here than anywhere I've been, including Virginia Tech. Um, and then our players have have bought into it as well. And and Pete and Stanton do a great job of, of trying to coach it up. <laughs> hey, Shane, got a scheduling question for you. Uh, do you – I know this is going to change in the next couple of years, but do you like having that – consistent SEC West opponent or would you rather see both of those kind of switch every year is that your roundabout way of asking me if I favor the nine game schedule the eight game schedule and trying to like trick me into saying that um you know uh, as I've said before I mean I think there's um there, there's positives to, to both the different scenarios and things like that um I've only been around in the SEC, at least, where you have the the crossover opponent, and then same thing in the uh, in the uh, I guess in the ACC as well. When I was at Virginia Tech, so when I was here before, it was what Arkansas, I believe, was our crossover, and then now you're here and it's A and M, and then I've been in the Big Twelve where it was just round robin and you played everybody, and you didn't have division. So been a part of both of it, and I know it's like the politically correct answer that we just I play whoever they tell us to play and, and when they tell us to play them and. And, um, you know, I know it's a big topic of discussion, but um, in this league, there's no weeks off. And whether you're playing A&M every year or you're, whether you're playing a different team every year, you know, it's going to be a battle. Boat. Yep. And then right back to work. Thanks. Y'all have a good week. No class? All right. Yeah, I like it. Do what? I'm just promoting, right? Sponsor the game, right?
All right, guys, that's going to do it. Shane Beamer speaking to media. We've hit 2 o'clock. Great timing. Uh, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Stay tuned. Podcast drops tomorrow. By the way, got a great conversation with my guy, J.D. Pakel of On3 Sports. He joined me to talk South Carolina football this weekend's game, everything in between, and also, of course, the big news uh, that we'll have more discussion and banter regarding on the podcast tomorrow. R.J. Roderick has... Uh, officially entered the transfer portal via our friends over at 24-7 Sports. So what does it really mean? Is it really a loss for South Carolina? I guess that's up for you to decide. Folks, again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.